want to speak with you this morning about the epistle reading and what the Apostle Paul has to say about it and to teach us from it about unity and peace. We need both of these things, desperately, both in the world and in the church. We need unity. We need to be one in the way that we think and act and are. And we need peace. We're fighting. This fighting, this war is horrible. It is destructive. It is evil. And we as Christians, while we acknowledge that sometimes this evil may be necessary, it cannot continue. It must end. And Paul has a few things to say about both unity and peace in the very brief daily epistle reading that I want to focus on in the homily today. Paul begins, well, actually, we're picking up right in the middle of his letter to the Ephesians, but the pericope begins with, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Pause there for a second. He beseeches us to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which we have been called. Walk implies a journey. It implies a way. And indeed, Christians from the very beginning were called followers of the way. Christianity is not simply a collection of abstract doctrine. It is a way of life. It is a way of life that we have to continually walk in. It is, in fact, a journey. And Paul here is speaking about how do we conduct ourselves as we walk. He says we need to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we were called. What is that calling? Well, I think he's going to say a little more about it, but, but essentially we have been called to this way of life. We have been called to be sons and daughters of the Most High God, heirs of the Most High God, children of God. We have been called to a way of life that is not merely temporal, but eternal, not merely physical, but spiritual, encompassing all of that, encompassing all of temporality and eternity, encompassing all of the physical and the spiritual. So what is this way? How do we walk worthily of this calling? Well, he says, we're supposed to walk worthily of this calling with all lowliness and gentleness. Here I want to back up for a moment and speak particularly to the men in our community. 
just a few verses prior to this, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole, and here the word is difficult to translate because uh, it's patria. It means family, but it could also be translated fatherhood because the father is seen as the head of the family in the church. So, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole of fatherhood in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory for the church, in the church by Christ Jesus to all, gener to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the part that was immediately preceded this bit that we read. I think it's also important to note, even as we speak of fatherhood, of masculinity, of that one of the two halves of the gender binary, that the word itself, in some respects, encompasses all of us. Patria encompasses all of family. But we have this understanding that is applied to us, particularly as men, that I think is really important to note here in the context of what he just spoke about, about the way in which we need to walk. How do we walk? With all lowliness and gentleness. And here I want to particularly draw out and highlight this in contrast to what we often see on the silver screen. How often do we see the action hero in all his masculine glory, or the feminine version of that even, acting in lowliness? and gentleness. Oh, and what kind of lowliness is this? Well, we've just heard Paul himself. I mean, if you want an action hero, if you want to make a movie about somebody who had an action-filled life, Paul would be the apostle to pick. I mean, he spent a, a night and a day in the deeps of the sea. He's shipwrecked at least three times. He's beaten. He's slandered. He's, uh, he, he ultimately has his head chopped off. This is a man who stood up for the faith and gave every last ounce of his strength for the faith. And how does he characterize himself at this moment in time? Well, he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I actually really love that move. Because Paul, at this point, he's a prisoner. He's a prisoner in Rome. He's appealed to Caesar. Now he's in Rome. Now he's chained to two soldiers on either side of him. Uh, and, and 
he's helpless. He's in a position where he can do nothing without any kind of official permission. It's humiliating. It's confining. It's restricting. But how does he characterize this state? I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Not the prisoner of the Romans. Not the prisoner who is there because of the slanders of the Jews. The prisoner of the Lord. He under, if, if anything should give us as Orthodox Christians an understanding of how we are to understand that, that basic proverb, which we hear quoted far too many times probably, that we should accept everything that comes to us from the hand of God as being from the, the hand of God for our salvation. It's coming to us from the hand of God for our salvation. Well, Paul is doing that right here. His prisonerhood, his restriction that he is, is probably chafing against, he understands as being from the Lord. He says in, in the beginning of chapter 3 that this is, he's, he's the prisoner of, the, of, of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. And so he's taking upon himself this position. He's embracing his current situation in a way that demonstrates what this lowliness that he's talking about is all about. So often the natural tendency, and we see this again in the, in the silver screen, is to rail against, is to fight against, is to somehow use every ounce of our strength to, to work against the situation that we find ourselves in. But what about lowliness? What about acceptance? This lowliness and gentleness are the way in which we are to walk. And as we receive our situation from, as coming to us from the hand of God for our salvation, we can walk in humility, humbling ourselves, accepting whatever the restriction is that is on us, probably less than what was on the Apostle Paul, as coming to us from the hand of God for our salvation. And in humility and gentleness, embracing it, engaging with it. And so I would say, in terms of the gender binary, which is actually probably a spectrum on both sides, but still there's, there's two basic realities that we have, as, and, uh, biologically speaking, and encounter as human beings. In terms of that, as far as we men are concerned, we need... If, if we are to have, to the extent that gender is something constructed, that construction has to include lowliness and gentleness. I remember uh, hearing a whole bunch of sermons about, your God is too small. Uh, usually the theme is there because our understanding of God is too limited. Well, I think at this point, particularly as males, our gender is too small. Our conception of what it means to be men is too small. Now, this is, of course, not merely for men. This lowliness and gentleness with which we are to walk is for all of us.
This is to what is to characterize our walk as Christians, whether we are male or female. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering. I particularly love that Paul adds this. Because if we are going to walk with lowliness and gentleness, we will suffer for a long time. There is a very there, there, there's a reason why the the natural portrayal of what do we do when we are bound or in prison or or restricted in any way is to rebel against it. We don't like it. We hate it, generally speaking. It's uncomfortable. Those chains are chafing us. We want to break them. But here Paul says, no, we have to suffer a long time. We need patience. So you think that you have, if, if you find yourself in a situation where you've got this, this, whatever it is that's coming to you from the hand of God for your salvation, and it's just, it's taking a long time, like forever. It's going on and on and on, and you've, you've been lowly enough and gentle enough. It's time for some action. No, 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 wait, wait. <laughs> you probably need to wait and suffer a little longer. With long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. This too is key. What is our motive for all this? Why are we doing this in the first place? The only motive that we as Christians can have is love. This long-suffering, yeah, it's usually bearing with one another. It's usually our, our suffering is usually coming from other people. And we need to bear with them because we generally expect them to bear with us. I mean, I mean, there's nothing really wrong with me, right? It's everybody else who's the problem. So, you know, why aren't they putting up with me? Why, are, why aren't they having patience with me? Well, we have that expectation for ourselves. But, I mean, you're not, it's not about you. Our if as soon as we are start, starting to think about how others should behave towards us, we're getting it all wrong. We need to be bearing with one another in love. Our job is to love the other. Everything that we do, all this patience and, 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 and gentleness that we are exercising, must be done in and out of love for the other. If there's any other motive, it will destroy us. It will not hold up. It will crack under, under the pressure of this long burden. Endeavoring, he says, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And again, I think it's really interesting that he uses the word, so he talks about here the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. Okay, this is the core. This is the goal. 
This is what we are aiming for towards. This is what the whole way of life is moving us towards, this unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But it's something we have to endeavor to do. We have to work at it. This is our work, in fact. You want a heroic struggle? Here's your heroic struggle. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What is this unity? What is this bond? Well, let's start with the peace. This bond of peace is one which, you know, Paul says elsewhere, inasmuch as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. I, I particularly love that qualification. <laughs> inasmuch as it depends on you. Some of it doesn't depend on you. You will not always manage it. But if we are all engaging in this, if we are all working in this lowliness and gentleness, bearing with one another in love, having patience with one another, if we all do it, then there will be peace. We will be united in peace and harmony with one another. So if we do our part, in as much as it depends on you, then we will attain this peace. Paul in this whole epistle to the Ephesians is emphasizing the, the um, overarching role that we as the church have to play in God's plan for redeeming all of creation. He talks about how Christ is exalted far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is, that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things, God himself, God the Father, puts all things under his, Christ's feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This calling to which we have been called is what God is calling everybody to, the whole world, because we all need peace. And that so we are called to this bond of peace that, that shackles us to one another. But we're okay with that because we love one another. And we, can, we know how to be patient with one another and to understand one another, and to be gentle. So we are in this bond of peace, unified by the Spirit of God. And just to make sure that we understand the theological basis for the unity of the Spirit, Paul goes on to say, there is one body and one Spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. There is one body, the church. One spirit, the spirit of God that animates that body, that unifies us, that coordinates our actions, that takes all of our gifts and enable, enables us as we are using those gifts that we receive from him in the service of one another to build up and unite and enliven the body which is the body that 
is uh, the body of him who is the fullness of him who fills all in all. One, you are called in one hope of your calling. We are all called to this resurrection hope, this eternal life that we are, that, that, that Christ came and preached. And just in case that wasn't enough, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This is our calling. This is what God is calling us into. He's calling us into, as members of the body of Christ, to harmony, to peace with one another as we serve one another in lowliness and gentleness with all long suffering and patience. And, and, and he calls us to this love that is the, the heart of the relationship of the Trinity itself in which we participate in Christ. That's a pretty high calling. That's something that we should, that should like affect every single moment of every single day of our lives and inform every single one of those struggles that are really annoying and really hard and really, you know, just we don't want to put up with them anymore. We want to burst out and lash out in anger, in violence, in, in, in just in cursing or whatever else. But these things are coming to us from the hand of God for our salvation. And if we engage with them, if we appropriate them, say that, oh, I'm a prisoner. Okay, well, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. then they become a part of this way of life, this walk that informs absolutely everything and transforms everything and raises up everything into this unity of, of the Spirit in the bond of peace, which calls us in to the very life of the Holy Trinity itself in Christ through His Father who is above all and through all and in you all to his glory. The glory of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, now and ever into ages of ages.